What's up, everybody? On this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, uh, we discussed Last Dance and our, our impressions of what we uh, interpreted from the uh, from the docu series. Uh, we discussed the NFL and all the trouble that these players are getting into. Damn shame. Damn shame. A little bit of money, y'all act a fool. And we also talk about the NCAA, the possibilities of players coming back on campus and the ramifications of the possibilities of the college football season kicking off. So you make sure that you tune in to this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. I'm here with my, I'm here with my man E. Al is out on COVID assignment. Uh, he's interviewing. Uh, He's interviewing New Jersey athletes in the midst of all of this crap. At least that's what he tells us. You know, who knows? He could be out underneath a rock somewhere. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> or he's just hiding. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, we're here. It's another Wednesday. It's another eh, lackluster week of sports, you know, uh, I guess everybody's come off the uh, the edge of their seats with the last dance, and the last two episodes aired nine and ten on Sunday. Um, so I guess we can kind of give our final thoughts on what we felt about that as a whole. So, what do you think? Uh, do you think it was genuine? Uh, was it was it good that the millennium? Folks out there can actually see the greatest that ever lived and get a glimpse of his all of his uh, his glory and to see the type of player that he was and the type of NBA that was back then. What, what's your take and your thoughts about the the final uh, the final rumba? The final rumba. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I had I, you know I was lucky enough to watch all the episodes and my. You know, my final takeaway from everything is that, you know, as um, great as Jordan was, and he was, um, and he, he was the man. I mean, um, even when he was out of basketball for a year and a half playing baseball and came back, he was still the best player in the NBA. Um, a complex man, definitely. Um all we saw was the Air Jordanist, and you heard of some stories back and forth about some of the things that were going on. You know, we all heard the rumors about, you know, his practices, his fights, you know, punching Steve Kerr. But, I mean, to get to see that visually on TV, to hear about it, I mean, you really saw that, you know, as much as the man was a great competitor, um, may not necessarily been the best leader. Um, definitely was brash. Definitely was, uh, you know, let your fire under you behind. He was almost um, Bobby Knight-esque. <laughs> mm. um, but sometimes, you know, to be to be that driven, to be that focused, um, sometimes you push yourself to that limit and anybody around you, um, you expected nothing less than their best. And he went at players. Um, either you either you sank or swam. Um, so it definitely showed, it made it more human. Um, you know, it took a little luster off the airness, but it made him a real, you know, individual and in how he went about his business. Um, 
like I said, I mean, you don't win six championships. I mean, two, three peats, you know, without having to be, you know, extremely driven. And sometimes you might have to put a foot under players behind. But I mean, you look at the greats, you look at Brady, Brady, what has what six rings. I mean, we don't hear all the reports, but he don't take no, you know, he don't take no shit when it comes to practices and in the games, he'll get in everybody's ass. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he's the first person there and the last person to leave. Um, but there's so many stories to go back and forth with Jordan. Um, but for me, what I take away is that, you know, there are, there are a lot of great players that came across the NBA. Um, but that man, his drive, I think, is what separates him from everybody else. Um, you know, he might not have had the all best all-around game, but damn, that man, <laughs> you know how to do it in the clutch. I mean, but this, every little thing, I mean, even the slightest <laughs> thing that he took as a diss, he went after, even though it was just not even meant to be there. I mean, anything that he could use as motivation. But after you win like four or five championships, what do you use to keep coming back each year to get yourself going? I mean, inventing things to kind of get his competitive juices going. I mean, the man took the little slight that you could have did and would try to basically kill you. And I think for some of the younger player, I mean, younger people of this generation, um, you see a much more happy-go-lucky NBA as opposed to the NBA that, you know, we all watched and grew upon and played basketball where it was much more physical and it wasn't all kumbaya. I mean, oof. I don't know if they were going to really appreciate it without actually living in that era, watching those games, which you're getting a snippets here and snippets there, but you didn't watch those games. You didn't watch those series. You didn't watch how competitive it was. So, I mean, I think there's still going to be some bias to some people who prefer players of this age as opposed to 20 plus years ago, which, you know, we're much more fond of. I know I am, but the man was a singular man and, there wasn't anybody like him prior, and I don't think there's any going to be anybody like him since. I mean, Kobe, close, but when you see that, man, he was on a whole different level. So it makes me, you know, when they sit there, Jordan is talking about, you know, every little slight, like George Carl not talking to him at a restaurant. He used that to say, I'm going to destroy him the next game. I'm like, damn, that's petty, but then it makes Very me wonder. He was the, he was the <laughs> king of petty. Right. But then it makes me wonder how Golden State recently had their run. And you can see, like, they won one, lost one, won one. And the third time, I guess, was uh, with Durant. They seem kind of uninterested throughout the season. Uh, there's... Third time going, second time winning was Durant, yep. Yeah, so they they seem uninterested. Like, they didn't turn on the the light into the playoffs. Like, we all know the best teams don't necessarily turn on their best game time until playoff time comes anyway. But it seemed like the Bulls always played their best or tried to play their best during the season and during the, uh, during the playoffs. So it makes me, it makes me wonder, like – if Jordan had to go through all of this to kind of get his competitive juices flowing, then I guess for him to get his competitive juices flowing, he then motivated the rest of his team to get their competitive juices flowing. I wonder what got Golden State's, Golden State's competitive juices flowing with the Durant squad to really go out there and play 
to the best of their ability. It wasn't until the playoffs where Durant really showed up and started balling, you know. And you're just talking about a team that this was this a couple of years, and you're talking about a team like the Bulls that was doing it for damn near almost – we talk about the two three-peats, but even the two years that Jordan wasn't there, well, the one, one season and the half a season, they were still balling as if they, they thought they were still champions. You know, so to do it for eight straight seasons where they're they bitching and moaning after just two two full seasons of doing it makes me wonder, you know, it, it just puts everything in perspective of how, in my opinion, I guess you can almost say it's like it's, it's sort of an entitlement. <laughs> just because of the way, you know, I guess it's like, oh, we're the best, you know, what more do we have to prove? But then when you see Jordan and everything he did, you know, I like the last dance, but I like how they kind of chronicle, you know, did the chronological thing, taking it all the way back and giving you snippets of every championship and all that good stuff. You know, it's this this kind of refreshing to see that despite winning every year, he always found a chip and he always was able to push his players, his teammates to go out there and ball every night like it was the last night they were ever going to ball. And I don't think we'll ever see basketball played like that because I think all the teams back then played like that because all the teams wanted to beat Jordan. You know, and if you had to you had to play hard like that to get past them, which none of them ever did except for those two years when he wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it, it just really brings back the it just really brings back the the style of basketball that I really miss. Where, where they really just went out there and balled. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't go out there and ball every night, but, you know, Jalen Rose puts it on the head, like, there's no such thing as load management back then. You know, there's no such thing as players taking a day off. Uh, <laughs> unless you're Dennis Rodman. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he gave you 175% every game. <laughs> so, I mean, if he needed a few days to let off some steam, let that man live. <laughs> Probably the only player in NBA history, past or present, in future, that can get away with telling a coach, yeah, I need to. I need to blow some steam in Vegas for forty right. hours, <laughs> and, and and they let him do it. And Jordan was like, "You really gonna let him do it?" <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It's like you know, he ain't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Take the chance. But I, what I what I do find interesting though, the I like everything that's going on, but I kind of like the side stories that are happening in the media. Like the most recent one now is Horace Grant is really calling Jordan a snitch, and it's like, look, you can you can either talk about like men or you can come see me like a man. And I'm like, oh, this nigga ready to fight. I'm like, come on, let's air this joint on some pay per view. I like to see that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of people took some hard feelings to the story, but then again, it's it's his story, and you know, he's telling it from a from his perspective, right? And you know, it's going to make them look in a certain light and make other people look in a certain light. I mean, Horace Grant, you know, they're blaming him for, you know, leaking too much information in that book, which he says he didn't do. Um, Then Horace Grant and Michael Jordan, you know, I guess, I won't say didn't get along, but there were some, you know, I guess some style conflicts in their styles the way they went about business where, Michael Jordan was taken out on Horace Grant and, and and Jordan was a bully, but he used to fuck with people and to no delay Horace Grant a little bit, Sam Burrell, he was, 
you know, he was cold on him all the time. And to the point where it's like, it's, uh, looking at it from my perspective, some of the stuff you can tell he's just joking and fucking with him. But after a while, if I'm Sam Burrell, I'm like, dude, why you keep coming at me like that? They're afraid to, they're afraid to approach him. And I guess he said with, you know, Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr, you know, you know, you know, hit him and he hit him back. But, you know, after he felt bad and called him, he said he, he can't respect because he didn't, you know, he was the small, smallest guy on the team, but he didn't back down. You know, Jordan barked at him. He barked back and, you know, he took a black eye, but Jordan gave him all the respect after that. Speaking of Kerr, you know, I didn't know anything about his dad. No. That was, that was tragic. Yeah. In a sense, you know, to hear about that, you know. So that was, you know, definitely shout out to Steve Kerr just for sharing. I mean, that was public knowledge for those back then in the 80s, I guess, when it when it took place. But if you weren't following, if you weren't a devout Christian, I believe, because it was uh, American University. I think it was a Catholic school or it was Catholic University. I forget what kind of university it was. But. I'm not sure. But, but it was some domination of some sort, you know. So for him, man, I know that was tough. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was uh, yeah. Steve Kerr was probably the only. Steve Kerr was probably a low key alpha male, but just couldn't take over the top dog, you know. And, and nobody, nobody wanted to take over the top dog. I mean, Pippen. Pippen played that Batman, that Robin role, real, real sweet. And everybody else just kind of just had a role. And I guess they just accepted it. And, but uh, it was interesting to hear. I forgot who said it on ESPN or somewhere. But they were saying that if Jordan played today, nobody would want to play with him. If he was... The same person he was then in today's NBA, nobody would want to play with him because he's too hard, too rough. And no, a different league and a different time. I mean, I even said it before that his style of leadership um, couldn't, you know, couldn't go in this day and age as far as, you know, how the climate of the NBA is, how the climate of a lot of teams are. I mean, you know, he grew up in a time where, you know, you could be a little bit more forceful. You can be a little bit more brash and rude and kind of take a lot of tongue lashing. Like I said, a la esque Bobby Knight. Um, but, um, or a la esque even Bill Parcells, because Bill Parcells would get a lot of people's asses. But, you know, that was a different time. Like you said, different, different era, different breed. Now it's too chummy, chummy, too, you know, everybody gets a trophy kind of esque and you know, everybody wants to be a friend. Nobody wants to compete. People want to compete, but it's, I think it's almost like a nostalgia because where we grew up, everybody wanted to beat Jordan. So you mm -hmm. would think everybody wants to beat LeBron, but no, people are, you know, chasing after rings. So they're just running to play with him. Right. That, and that, that shit sucks. <laughs> Nobody wants to be the man of their squad no more. Like, I feel sorry for the Patrick Ewings. I feel sorry for the Charles Barkleys. I feel sorry for the, uh, for the uh, Carmelones, for the uh, Clyde Drexlers. You know, jokers that sit there and stay with their teams 
for as long as they possibly could because they knew that they wanted to be the one to lead that particular franchise to uh, to a championship. And for whatever reason, just couldn't get over a hump or they'll get to the finals, but just can't, just can't put it away. You know, AKA Charles Smith uh, for the Knicks. Which, which <laughs> after looking at that clip now in the NBA, that's a foul. Like four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> that have been a foul on the first foul. Back That'd then, been. no, no fouls. That would have been and two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he might have missed the free throws, but he at least would have had the opportunity to tie the game up. <laughs> exactly. But, I, yeah, I just I just miss – I just miss – real talk, I kind of miss loyalty in sport. There just isn't any loyalty in sport anymore. You know, there's – I think the era or the time and age of where a player is going to sit there and stay with one team, whether good or bad, is done because everybody wants, everybody wants to win. And it's kind of it's, it's kind of shitty. Yeah, it's you know so much more money involved, so much more endorsements involved. I mean, being on a winning squad, you know, and making money from that particular team, you know, and being seen as a winner, per se, not a championship winner, but just seeing as a person that wins and does well, boosts your overall, you know, um, exposure and boosts your overall revenue stream from outside the NBA, like endorsement monies and stuff like that, where. Mm-hmm as opposed to NBA, there wasn't that, you know, kind of money out there. There wasn't those kind of salaries. So players stayed with teams more so because that's where they make the most money. Mm-hmm. And then this age, I mean, not necessarily LeBron. I mean, he might have made it more fashionable and more – he had to, he took a lot of lumps going to Miami. I give him that but um, with his decision. But after that, he made it more chic. <laughs> for players to start jumping around and start, you know, playing with other squads, you know, just as much as we can fault, you know, you know, um, just as much as we can fault LeBron James or even Kevin Durant for moving teams. I mean, look at Scottie Pippen, who could have probably and should have bolted, you know, way before he did, mm. but he stayed, got a low salary. And Mike was making by the end of his term, 30 plus points, you know, 30 plus mil a year. And he got six rings out of it. You know what's ironic? Jordan got the 60, the last 97, uh, 97 to 98 seasons, he got those 30 plus million a year. But the other, the, the years leading up to those last two years, him and Pippen were probably making about the same amount of money. Contractually wise, was, probably around there, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was bananas to me. <laughs> And 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 what's what's really sick is how when Jordan was gone and Pippen was leading that squad, that the management still was like, you know, nah, we're gonna honor your contract. Should never signed it. That, that's and I can understand Pippen's willingness to say f you to Jerry Krause, and he doesn't have. I guess now that he's not with the Bulls anymore, I think he just recently got let go. Um, he had some ill will towards the Bulls, but I'm like I, I get it, man. I'm like you got you got the royal shaft. Though I was reading an article where they said that you know once he left and went to Portland and got his fifty some million dollar contract, played that contract out. Then they said the the Bulls brought him back on a on a thank you two year ten million dollar contract. I'm like ten years. I mean two ten million dollars for everything that I bought to you. And, you know, like you can kiss my black ass. That's 
All you did was pay me two years the equivalent of the damn contract that I signed for eight years. <laughs> I'm like, screw well, you. You're man. paying me 10 and you made 100 million plus, you know, over my tenure there. Right. That's and that's probably low ball. <laughs> you should have given, gave him $20 million a year for those two years, regardless if he was past his prime or back was no good. But I guess in summation of the whole situation for me, it's good to see that Jordan was human. That, you know, do we all believe they could have they could have won a sixth, a seventh if they came back in two thousand uh, for the for the ninety nine season? Because uh, he he uh, at the end he's like if he would have signed, he knew Scotty would have signed, he knew Robin would have signed, he said Phil would have came back, but I don't think Phil would have came back. Phil was done, you know. If Phil didn't come back, I think they would have just said epic. Then would have been all right. We gone. But um, it would have been interesting to see if they could have came back and won the fourth in a row. Because uh, I think that's would have been the motivating factor for Jordan is to say, okay, nobody's never won four in a row. So he would he would have used that as his chip all year, all season long to say, all right, we're gonna win this fourth. And, it would have been really cool to see, but uh, I like this. I do like the fact that Jordan was human. You know, you saw the emotional side of him when he was talking about this. You know, when he had that clip where he said, "Cut," you know, because he said, "If that's who I am, you know, then that's who I am. That's the that's the guy I was." And it looked like he wanted to cry to say he almost like he's too man enough to sit there and say, you know, come out and say, "Well, fellas." Everybody I ever played with, I want to apologize for the way I I was, but I can't because it motivated us to to be who I was. So it's almost like he felt conflicted in that one particular moment. Like, that's what he wanted to say, but then he might look like a bitch if he came out and said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I mean, my, my, my final thoughts on that is, yeah, that particular point, I agree with you. It was almost like an admittance, but I think – once you look back at your career and you self-reflect mm-hmm. and you realize that, you know, you know, I won six, I was competitive for push myself and I pushed the other players around me, but what did I lose to be at the apex of the game? What did I lose to get to that, you know, to, to win six, you know, mm-hmm. basically own a damn decade of the NBA um, to be Air Jordan. What did I, I know what I gained monetarily and, you know, my name is, you know, globally known, but what did you lose? You lost a lot of friends. <laughs> I'm assuming that your reputation now, and it was reported before he even, even aired that Jordan was highly concerned about how it was going to make him look. Because I think once he saw it, he looked at it, he's like, damn, I was pretty much an asshole. And I think he, you know, when you get older, you know, even my parents, my dad, you know, you start looking back and you're like, I could have did some things differently and you start to, you know, see that I probably shouldn't have done it that way, but what I did led up to six championships. And maybe if I would have tweaked myself, if I could have, and I'm not sure if he could ever, maybe you might not have gotten six. Maybe you would have gotten two, maybe three, um, but maybe not six. And the last thing I'll just say is that the stuff about his dad and, you know, there's always so much in sports, um, especially, you know, with men of color, whether it's basketball or football, you know, there's always, 
your mother is right there, the mom is right there. Oftentimes you always see sons with their mothers, but their fathers sometimes are there not around. Right. Jordan's father was there and they were very, very close. And, you know, to see how his father's passing and then he won the next championship without his father there. And then, you know, I guess sort of signing up to the other guy, Gus, that turned into like a father-like figure, you know, there was something to be said about, you know, fathers and sons. And that's a bond that, in my opinion, no matter how strong the mother and, you know, the mother and son is, is not as strong as a father and son. And you saw that, in my opinion, they didn't go into great depth of it, but you can get it from what they showed about his father. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, like, almost like it was maybe his mom when he was growing up that was there, you know, like the, the, the his mom being the modern day soccer mom, but not being defined as a soccer mom back in the day when he was in school, you know, he was going from basketball to baseball to play whatever sport to do whatever it is that he was doing, you know, and maybe that's what the mom did. But when he got older, and he probably retired because he probably took under, you know, his uh, his uh, parents. Uh, he, uh, father had more opportunity to spend time with him and do the things that he probably couldn't have done when he was younger because probably was working and making sure that taking care of the family. And I guess, you know, they might have you know it's uh my speaker's not working audio was coming in and out a little bit how about now you're good interesting never saw that before anyway um but bottom line what i was trying to go with this is um he had that love for his dad and to see that one championship when he just passed out and was grabbing that just just goes to show that you know underneath all that hard exterior and all that crap and him being a jerk and doing all this sort of stuff that he's just as human as you and me and He's just somebody who's just driven to win, to have nothing but success. And without his dad being there to share that success, it was just really, really, really pulled at him really tough. But, you know, he's, uh, he did what he did. And I don't think he would, I, I, you know, looking back at it, I don't think he would ever change anything that uh, any way that he went about doing the things that he did in the NBA. And, us as fans, we, we can only live to appreciate the things that he did because it brought great excitement. And I can honestly say that we might have, you might have had Michael Jordan haters, but we were still at awe at what Michael Jordan could be. And I, you know, and I, and I don't know, we can say the same with current NBA. You know, if it's, it's almost like if you hate Steph Curry, you just hate his ass. Like, you could care less if they win, lose. You really hate when they win. But it's <laughs> like, 
it's like with Jordan, it's like, damn, I can't stand Jordan. But damn, boy, he really put in some work. Like you, you, you almost hated it. You know, you hated him to respect him. And it was crazy. And it's like, you don't have that level of hate respect in the NBA now, because if you hate somebody, you just you can give two shits about them. Yeah. I, I, uh, um, I guess we can move on to a little bit of NFL talk, but I wonder, um, and once Brady is done, if he himself will put out something like this, um, cause I'd be kind of curious to see if, you know, the goat of football, you know, how his path to greatness, or at least, you know, that one season where they came back and won against, let's say the Falcons or their last Super Bowl run. I'd be curious to see how the goats, um, six championships or how he approached the game. If it was similar to what Jordan's was. I think you may do it with uh, uh, with Tampa. You know, there's too much, too much, too much, uh, too much BS that goes on with doing. You <laughs> might you might catch the camera crew doing something, videotaping somebody else, and they get caught up on some shit, and then they're back in hot water for doing some sort of illegal crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think something like that probably wouldn't happen until he's retired and already enshrined in Canton and. You know, there'll be some years later, maybe there'll be some old tapes laying around that, you know, you can kind of start piecing together how Brady really was. Right. <laughs> so. Well, nice segue into to the Brady. Let's talk about your boys don't know how to keep their ass out of trouble. <laughs> Getting locked up doing some stupid shit. Armed robbery in Florida. Man, like y'all ain't got Y'all ain't got nothing else better to do with your time. Like, go work out. <laughs> it's just, hey, man. Uh, um, about to say 49ers. Um, Redskins, too. Corey Lattimore, uh, wide receiver, got caught up in some mess. You know, what? Would the, what's the old phrase? Idle hands is the um, devil's playground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the NFL is, like, seething at the mouth. Like, man, open this stuff up. Open it up, man. We need to get our players up in here. So we can keep them out of trouble. You would think you would think having that sort of money, I guess that's what also would breeze the trouble. But uh you would think that if I was making next to nothing coming up in college, my parents are struggling or you know, living that basic lower to maybe middle class, middle class life. And now you have this all this money that you think you kind of wise up and smarten up a little bit. Nah, not these folks. <laughs> nah, and and, Deanna, and and Baker from the Giants. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you're a 30th round pick. You got, you got, you have a good, actually, a good contract for your for your rookie year. I think like 10 mil or something to that effect. Um, a little bit more, but um, allegedly the incident was over a car game that him that he was playing at him and I guess Dunbar from the Seahawks and they lost. I think on what 70 grand or or or. 30 grand, some to that effect. And um, you lost some money and you came into the next car game and now you want to go get your money back. But if allegedly you were trying to stick somebody up, they know you. <laughs> I mean, dude, I mean, it, not that I am advocating how to how to rob, but if you're going to, if you're going to roll on somebody, man, don't, <laughs> don't be at a car game, flip the table over then flash the heat. You know, someone's going to be snitching, you know, excuse me, you know, someone's going to, going to purport it. <laughs> If, and this is all allegedly, if all this stuff happened as the way it happened, because they both played, you know, guilty and, you know, allegedly Dunbar was saying that he had nothing to do with it. Affidavits from people at the party saying that wasn't on him. They're trying to all push it on big. I don't know. But to that effect, yeah, I agree with you. These GMs, 
these owners are like, yo, we got to get these OTAs started to get these cats <laughs> straightened out. See, first of all, the the kid, the rookie, dude, you're you ain't even signed the contract yet. Like, where the hell do you even have that type of money to, to be sitting there gambling? Which one? <laughs> you said the the, the 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 kid from the Giants. Oh, Baker, but that was last. He was um that was last year's draft pick. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, so you do have a little bit of money in the bank, but dude, okay, you lost thirty grand. Man up, you lost. Go and take your ass home. You'll get that money back in performance bonuses, whatever, whatever. You just know next time, don't gamble that sort of money. If that's how you're going to feel or if that's how you're going to act. You know? And don't gamble with nobody that you don't know because you don't know someone rigging the game or fixing to set you up. Right. Take and if you are, yeah, and, and if you're a mark and, you, and you're going to come in as a mark against some people, you're going to get got. That's why you go to Vegas, sir. That's why you go to Lang City. That's why you go to any one of these handful of casinos that just pop it up all over the goddamn place. Well, shit, they can't go anywhere because ain't damn casinos over <laughs> right now. <laughs> Online gambling, damn it. That's there. It's legal. And it's still going on. And I'm sure they're still thriving. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, so I, I know sitting in front of a computer doing it is no fun. But at least, dude, if you lose your money, you lost your shit fair and square. You know. God. Man, just don't know how to act, man. Nah, it, it's, it's, you know, and let's not to say it's not all players, but, you know, there are a couple of players out there, you know, Dunbar, Dondre Baker from the Giants, Corey Lattimore from um, Washington Redskins, Ed Oliver from, you know, yeah, Houston. Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo, sorry, Buffalo, yeah. I mean, you know, guys, I mean, look, the NFL is going to find – is going to find a way to get some games in, okay? They're going to find a way to get that season, you know, as close to 17 games as they can with the playoffs and the Super Bowl, no matter when they push it back. So mm-hmm. just just bide your time. The NFL is going to, is going to get it in. They always will. Yeah. You know, they're going to get their money. Trust me, man. So, but now you, you jeopardize them. The teams ain't going to cut you. But Goodell is damn sure going to fuck with your pocket. <laughs> you know, you're going to get a stern talking to, and then they're going to look at you like, all right, you know, don't be doing this crap no more. And you'll be like, okay, I'm my bad. And then you'll end up like uh, Alden Smith. They just keep getting their ass in trouble. And now he gets reinstated today by the Cowboys, and he's playing for the Cowboys. That joker ain't played in five years. Well, it's Jerry, and Jerry likes to, you know, Jerry will give you a lot of a lot of leadway. <laughs> but it still it still racks my brain like I understand Alden Smith is a defensive player, but then Cap still can't get into the league, man. <laughs> you, you had the Cowboys picked up old dude that was beating women, signed up for a year, now what he's doing MMA fighting. I can't think of his name right now. Greg Hardy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got murderers. You got people who rob people up in this joint, but yet my man is speaking on social justice and can't get up the lead. Now, I'm not getting into politics, but is this the bullshit of the situation? I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> You're here. <laughs> Goodness gracious, Lord. Yeah, but, uh, but, but Baker, you know it's bad when the Giants were like, don't even worry about coming to – 
coming to um, the virtual trains, not even on field, virtual at that, where you can just basically be in your, your apartment and just have team meetings that go over the playbook. They were just like, don't even worry about even doing that. <laughs> just focus on your case. Oh, My um, opinion, uh, they're probably looking at the contract to see, uh, we're about to let him go for a contract, you know, conduct venture mental to the <laughs> team and also seeing how they can recoup some of that money they gave him. Dumbass. But, you know, the crazy thing about it is, another team to scoop him up. <laughs> what, on pennies on the dollar at that. Exactly. <laughs> like, we're going to sign you for $200,000. You're going to take it? Because he broke. He'd be like, yeah, because I got to pay that $30,000 in his loss. <laughs> and worse of all, he had a bad rookie season to the point where the defensive coordinator had to sit him down, for, you know, for a game and, and put somebody else in because, admittedly, he said he wasn't getting the playbook. And your defensive coordinators and your defensive def- your defensive coach was losing faith in you and sat you down. So right now, the Giants organization is looking at you as like, you're not even worth, at this particular point, the stress for us to really go to bat for you. So I would not be surprised if, depending on how this goes, that the Giants are going to find a way to cut bait with them. Mm-hmm. Especially if they sign somebody else that's, you know, on, on free agency, another, you know, cornerback or safety that can, you know, roll as a cornerback. If they do that, yeah. <laughs> sad, sad, sad. Mm-hmm. You know, but hey, Jokers just don't understand the trouble. That's why you never, you never, ever, 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 hardly ever see uh, their Caucasian counterparts ever get into hardly any trouble. You know, it's every so often. Every so often. But a lot of them jokers just stay, keep their nose clean. They might beat their wives or do whatever they need to do. But they 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 hush that shit up. They'll never get it never makes the media. I put it like that, except for the kicker for the Giants. <laughs> but outside of him, you never hear a peep out of any of those jokers. Not to sit there and make it a, a color thing. It's just the it's an ignorance thing. You know, it's just the more of the how ignorant and knuckleheaded African American players are. Knowing what all they have at stake, but yet they still seem to screw it up, and it's and it's always a a handful. It's never the majority, but it's the handful that screws it up and it makes it look bad for the rest of them. And you got a couple of Caucasian players out there that do dumb stuff. Baker Mayfield um, comes to mind, and um, Johnny Manziel. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, that's. When you when you gotta think that hard that long, <laughs> you gotta sit there like, uh, yeah, yeah, Johnny Manziel, but he ain't been in the league in the past four years, uh, which is why. <laughs> but crazy enough as it is, he had multiple opportunities and multiple chances, despite even with the uh, not the the last league that you know collapsed. XFL. Yeah, he even had a chance there. And there was reported that the XFL. One of them, you know, you know, some teams were looking around and bring him on, but he didn't want that pay. Yeah, it must be nice when you can be a when you have a, you know, he came from a family with money, so money was never an issue. But you know, when he when he barking about what type of money he could be possibly making, I'm like, dude, you should just be happy that teams want your ass around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we could wrap it up with one last thing. NCAA has officially come down and stated that June 1st, they will allow 
conferences, universities to make the ultimate decision of when they want to start to allow players to come back on campus for football, men's and women's basketball. And they said all of the sports will be discussed at a later date because they know those are the gener gener uh, revenue generating sports for the universities. And they know that the universities are suffering because there's no generation, you know, money's being generated. So with that being said, I don't know how things are being handled in Jersey right now, but I could tell you here in Maryland, for example, the governor has kind of eased restrictions a little bit and is letting some things kind of pop off and happen, but it's still up to counties whether or not they want to do stuff. So like the University of Maryland is in College Park, which is in Prince George's County, and they're a county that's still under lockdown. Versus where I live in Hartford County, you are up to do whatever, you know, to a point. You're not out here running free willy, whatever. But it'll be interesting to see if if the, the county itself is saying, nah, we still don't feel comfortable with opening it up, to, you know, for even 50% capacity for churches and things of that nature. Will the university, because they need the money, allow the football team to come back and act to do what they need to do, despite being places being locked down. Those are the types of things that I'm looking forward to here in the next week or 10 days or so to kind of see how things are kind of progressing because then it's really going to show the hypocrisy in, uh, in NCAA sports, especially when it comes to football players and the type of money that they generate for these universities. Because if you're trying to tell me that certain states and certain areas are locked down and these universities are in these lockdown areas, but yet you allow them to come, because we need sports, mm -hmm. it's all—it's more like we need the money, <laughs> you know. So I, I'd be really curious about that. But it looks as though we are going to have college football, and it's going to be probably with no no fans in the stands, and they're going to go out there and play, and they're probably try to figure out the best way to travel, and whatnot, but uh, I'm excited about it because I think we, it's sad to say this, but I think we need sports because it's, it's like our, it's like our soap opera, so to speak, <laughs> and we're missing it. So <laughs> I am curious to see how things are going to kind of progress now that the NCAA has opened things up. Yeah, I think, um, it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's a non-surprising decision. I think it was something that was ultimately going to happen. It wasn't a question of if, it was just a matter of when. And I think doing it now to say June 1st, effectively NCAA is leaving up to the colleges and the colleges are going to take their kind of cue from the NCAA from an athletic perspective. Mm -hmm. But I'm going I'm to do it a different way and take a look at it from this college's perspective. Now, being how the, the job that I work for, you know, we do handle a lot of, you know, hospitality and food services, and we do a lot of, you know, higher education campuses. Those campuses need a lot of money to operate. Professors have to be taught, you know, custodians have to be paid, workers have to be paid. There's a lot of money, in fact, that's involved, and a lot of that money comes not so much more from games, but from a lot of the students buying in for housing, they're buying in for, you know, food packages, buying in for stuff. 
uh, ultimately kids are going to want to go back to campus. They're not going to do virtually forever because yes, you can do it, but you're losing out on a total college experience. So why in the heck do I'm going to pay X amount of dollars to go to one school where I can effectively pay a smaller amount and go to a, you know, a community college or a lesser college. Those colleges are seeing their revenues dip, not even, let's take football sports out of the equation. They're seeing their overall profit margins dip because you're not going to have kids that are going to want to, they're anticipating kids not being on campus. A lot of these colleges don't have the money and the prestige in these other campuses. Some of the smaller schools that still have football and basketball, they need the people there to operate. So they're, they may not be well off to the point where they can sustain a non-fall of no students there. So at some point in time, you're going to get students back on campus, whether it's going to be at a, at a limited rate or something, but you're going to get kids back on campus in some form of fashion. Yeah. If you have kids back on, on campus in some form of fashion, that's how you can justify having football going on. And then that brings it back to football and they can say, well, we got, even if you have, let's say 50% of your normal student body on campus, you can justify having football games. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, we'll keep everybody six feet apart. You have to wear your masks, blah, 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 blah. You can then justify everything else. And then they're hoping that by the time you hit August going into September, where the games will start, by that time, things won't be as chaotic. And you're seeing states now starting to loosen up things now to grease the tracks to go into summer. Mm-hmm. So by the time you get to like September into the summertime, you're off and running. You can get college football going. You can get um, maybe baseball doing something. Basketball, is, I think, is probably going to try to start something by July. But you can at best get that football, college football, and NFL football going by September. Trust me, there's going to be kids on campus by the time you get to the fall. It may not be everybody, but it might be a large number than what you expect. Mm-hmm. But trust me, a lot of these parents are going to have their kids in their house while they're trying to go into work. Just like a lot of people are going to want to have their kids in high school and then junior co- I mean, junior high school and middle school, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Kids will be back in school in the fall in some form or fashion, provided there's not a secondary huge outbreak. So with that being said, I agree with you. Football is going to be on in some form or fashion, whether it starts on time or not is debatable, but you will have college football, you will have NFL, and the kids being on campus will justify having football in other college sports because they need that they need that money. And they lost a ton of money with March Madness from NCAA perspective. Mm-hmm. And they can't and they can't lose college football because that makes more money than all the other stuff combined. Agreed. Agreed. I just I just worry about concessions. Because that's how these universities make their money. Other than mm-hmm. the concessions and now some universities selling beer. You know, that's seven, eight dollars a cup. You know what I mean? It's just, that's that's what they're really messing out on, you know, the million or two million that they were making a in a in a game just from whatever that they sell merchandise or whatever. Tailgating and people in the stand, stands that's probably not that's probably not going to occur immediately. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what I could see happening, and I don't know how forward thinking this is, and I should copyright this shit. I shouldn't even say it on the internet because you know what you put on the internet is pretty much out there for anybody to take. But mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking about this at work, and I was interested, you know, people are not going to be really interested in going to movie theaters anymore because of the compactness. But for those areas that have drive-in movie theaters, that could work. Now, that being said, these universities could create big, large TVs that they could post outside of the stadium. And they could charge people to come into the parking lot area where they tailgate, but sit outside and watch the game and have all the social distancing that they want in an open-air environment. You know, because if you're tailgating and you come in and it's me, you and Al, we know we good. We can sit together and feel comfortable that we feel good. But then, you know, the next tailgate is six, seven feet apart and they can do their own thing. And you still get that, com- you know, that camaraderie that there's somebody watching the game and you still have a feel that you're at the stadium and you don't necessarily have to sit there and watch the game from like a driving perspective where sitting in your car where you can have your lawn chairs, whatever, sitting out in the parking lot and still catch the game from outside. That's a possibility. Don't know what universities go to great lengths, especially if you're going to allow people in the stadium, but you can't allow 50,000, but you can allow 25,000 to come in. Maybe that's a way to charge $5 for people to come outside and sit outside the stadium and watch the game if they want to feel as though they want to be in that sort of an environment. Uh, possibly. I mean, um, that'd have that that'd be up to people's preference and, you know, how the coronavirus as a whole, if it's tamped down, but yeah, I can see somebody trying to, you know, pull something like that off. Maybe we'll have to social distance and say six feet apart. Um, and maybe you might have to limit even the number of people there for people to feel comfortable. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if someone tries to do that. And then the only other thing I think of before we before we wrap this up is making it now the model how the Big 12 is using ESPN Plus to watch certain games and you have to pay the $5 a month to sit there to be able to watch the games, it wouldn't shock me in the least that if you want to watch Florida State Miami, they might put it behind a paywall and make you pay four or five dollars to watch the game. Universities got to make their money somehow. So it's a lot of, they might put a lot of those DC C plus games on TV, but if you want to watch the marquee shit on a Saturday night, damn it, you're gonna pay that ten dollars. Everybody in the house can watch it, but you're gonna pay ten dollars. <laughs> and Depending on how how much of a theme you are for that game, they're gonna be bitching the entire time, but they're gonna pull out their wallet and take their credit card number in. <laughs> because I know if it's a game I wanna watch, I'll do it. <laughs> well, if they're gonna do something like that, they better I think that's a way is that it may eventually gonna go, but they better hurry up because ESPN already got a already got a head start on all of them with ESPN plus. Mm-hmm. All they got to do is saying, we're going to give you the package like you have the college football pass mm-hmm. and have it right on ESPN+. Plus. All you got to do is pay that monthly subscription. You basically cut everybody out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Then, That's why they say they better, if they're going to do something, they better do it quick. <laughs> just like NBC. They got, that, they got that exclusive Notre Dame. If you really want to watch that Notre Dame game, you're going to have to pay up $5. 
I know you're paying X amount of dollars for cable, but if you want to watch that game, what they're probably going to do is put it on their damn app, the Peacock app. And then if you want to watch Notre Dame game, they might give you some special pricing, some one-time $40 or $50 fee, and you can watch all Notre Dame games on the app. I don't know if they would do Notre Dame games like that, but I can see them doing other games because Notre Dame already got a a fucking – feels like a lifetime a lifetime deal with, you know, uh, was it NBC? NBC. NBC to have their games on TV, so no yeah. need to take it off. But I'm saying, I, I see, I, I see your idea. I don't know if it would be Notre Dame, but I can definitely see them doing it with somebody else. Mm. Crazy. Notre me. Dame is already there. They're not gonna, they're not gonna take them off. True, true. But if and I don't think Notre Dame wants to take them off because they're probably getting a cut of that. <laughs> oh, they are. But, the, the advertising dollars. So it doesn't make any sense for them. But what, but it, where it would make sense is because of the loss of concessions in the stadium. That's where they can make it. Even if they charge them two or three dollars, they're just making up the. They just make it up for the monies that they would lose while the game is being taken place in their stadium. I don't think they're so much worried about the, the media money that they're getting. I think they're they're concerned about that that revenue they're losing by having fans there. So anything yeah. they could do to get that sort of money is where I'm trying to where I'm trying to go at. But I don't, but I don't know if you want to tweak what you got because I'm pretty sure the TV money outshines what you can get from concession. Concession probably be like whipped cream and cherry on the top of a already big, a oh. big banana split. Definitely. So they'll, yeah, they'll probably try to do something to kind of supplement their revenue. But I don't think, I think they'll probably leave. Notre Dame football on TV for right now because you know people in the stands know people in the stands they're still going to get their money right yeah true true but man we went way past our time it's all right you know but I guess we don't have a, a actual athletic topic to talk about but these are interesting times that we're moving into so uh things are definitely changing our life as we know it is changing we may not be going into the office like we once were nowadays when they realize that people are as productive working from home as in the office. So the model is about to change big time. So sports is going to have to adapt and uh, go along with the times as well. So with that being said, we all know that Al's out in assignment doing COVID-related activities or under a rock. Uh, <laughs> Where can they find you, sir? <laughs> uh, I can be found on the gram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Uh, J.E. Ross, the number seven. And you can find me on Twitter at CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And with that, we'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. We love you. We appreciate you. And make sure that you continue tuning in every Wednesday for our next episode of Guys Talking Sports.